You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. On fourth and five, Jones steps up, takes off, he's in, touchdown! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump, how you doing? Happy Thursday, I mean, or happy Friday morning if you are listening to this or watching our pretty faces uh, getting into December, my favorite month of the year. It'll start being my favorite month even more when the Giants start having, rel- you know, meaningful games in December again, but happy holiday season, Grump. Happy holiday season to you, and holiday season really starts when the Giants, um, you know, start winning meaningful games. So we're into December now, and uh, after a couple – winning against Philly is meaningful, in my opinion, uh, every year. Well, there's, there's two types of meaningful. There's, right. There's Florida beating Florida State last Saturday when you have five wins all year, but it's still very meaningful to beat rivals that you hate and you have ownage on their fan base. And then there's meaningful for winning a championship. and. That Eagle game was, you know, it was rivalry weekend for me last week, and I settled all family business last weekend. And he, uh, they, uh, the Eagles got mo greened for sure by us beating them. But but I would say this upcoming matchup with the Miami Dolphins is meaningful in a way that I will start believing in this team if they can win this game. And that's not because Miami is, um, you know, some world beater here, but. They are a hot team coming on four straight wins now. Um, they are aggressive in a lot of ways. That is, you know, they're, they're, they're disruptors. I mean, they go in there and they, they've messed up a couple of teams now, uh, Baltimore included. So I would be I would be pretty impressed. Not that I think it's going to be well, hard, but, the, you know, this will be a game where I'm like, there we go. Now that's a win. Let, define for me what you mean by believers. Do believers that this team has turned the corner and – we're starting to see a foundation we can believe in going forward, or are you starting to play the well? If this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, we can make the playoffs. No, I'm not playing anything. Uh, I'm not going to believe in anything at this point. Like even if they start pulling stuff together here, it's going to be just a magical run. This isn't a team that's getting better um, in, in the spots that it needs to. I mean, it needs new players to get better. That's what, what needs to happen. So, no. But, yeah, dominoes can fall, and this can be a more exciting finish to the season than it can be dreadful. And I would I would enjoy that because it would be nice going into an off season thinking, well, that wasn't so bad, actually. And everything that went wrong could have – that could have went wrong went wrong. So, yeah. My thing, my thing to me, it's more philosophical and, like, cultural things. Like, you know – can this team win on the road, a big game on the road? And big game is relative, but for, you know, a team that's trying to get its legs still. And, it, you know, you don't want the whole offseason to be about, you know, is Joe Judge going to be back? Is he going to be on the hot seat? You know, the, if, if Gettleman retires or gets fired or quits or whatever, you want to just end on some positive momentum and some little bit to believe. And, you know, they've won three in a row at home. They're starting to look better. They're starting to get a little healthier, so they're starting to actually look like a real football team. The next step is, can you go on the road? You know, there's going to be a lot of Giant fans down in Miami, uh, but still, it's a road game. Win a game on the road. And yeah, it's, it's going to be about stringing them together, too. I mean, it's not it's, – these scattershot, 
you know, wins here and there is not the same thing as winning a couple in a row. And this is a tough team. This isn't a, you know, they're they're a lower roster team, the Dolphins, but they are definitely building something, and they they are not going to go down quietly when they whenever they go down. So no, they're um, trying to figure things out themselves also, and these games are very important to them as well. But we had some bigger stuff going on this week. You know, in the middle of the week or early in the week, I, I guess. Um, it leaked out that Daniel Jones suffered a neck strain, and you know, then it then there were like some wild rumors that he might be like gone for the season on it, and they just weren't saying it. And then, like within not even twenty four hours, it started being reported that it that was somewhat exaggerated, and that he may practice, and then he indeed practiced, and now it's looking like Daniel Jones is just going to start on Sunday. They're fully preparing him to start Sunday. I guess it's still possible he may not, but at this point. I don't know. I, he, I'm just thinking he's going to start. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see anything. You know, we recorded on Monday night. And I think the news came out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I saw was he could be out for a couple of weeks. I didn't see anything about the end of the season or anything. But I did see he could potentially be out for a couple of games. And Glennon was getting prepared mm-hmm. to start. So it wasn't as you know doomsday as end of year. But... The thing I have to ask for you, Grump, is let's let's cut it down the middle and say he has a neck injury. It's not severe. He can't play anymore, but he's going to be limited. Do you consider shutting him down at some point? Like if he's if if we're out of the playoff hunt officially and yeah, oh, do you, um, do, you, do you do you even risk it? Like just trying to eke out any potential wins in week sixteen, seventeen. If he has something that's lingering. I was thinking about that. It's well, like, no, just... no, 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 no. Not if it's just something silly that's lingering. But if he's got like a, a neck thing that's like, you know, might be might be potentially dangerous. You know, not like a sore shoulder yeah, or something that's, like that. That's what I mean. Then that's yeah, what I mean. if you're mathematically out of it, I consider it. But I mean, there's so much that goes into that. It's just like, well, what's the point? Because this is clearly not the offensive line I want to build, and because of that, this isn't even the offense I want to run. So he's not even developing. If that's your line of thinking, then I agree. Then shutting him down probably does more good than harm. But if if that's not your thinking, and you're like, this is the offense I want him to run. I just want it to work. Then you know, there's still some learning he can do back there. No, you know, no, no. My 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 thinking was if if there is a neck issue, that and I'm not saying it's a serious issue, but there's something that's not having him played 100% and we're out of it, officially out of it. And it's impacting his ability from Tuesday to Saturday to be ready to play on Sunday. Do you consider shutting down? Well, of course. Like I said, I do consider it, but there's other factors. I don't, yeah. I don't, it's not just a stamp of approval, but absolutely I consider it. Like I said, this offensive line, in my opinion, is clearly not what the, what, what the, the coaches dreamed of this isn't and because of that they're running an offense that they also didn't dream of and the guy who designed the offense isn't even here anymore so yeah you can make a very serious argument that if he's got a lingering thing that you know is going to affect him every for a couple weeks from sunday to sunday then yeah i consider it but also it's it's a little early right now to say that too it's only week 13 there's still several games left and they're not out of it so right 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 um, the Giants went ahead and signed Jake Fromm from the Bills practice squad. This is a nothing thing. I'm not really considering yeah. this anything. I'm just it's it's a roster it's, spot. They have a roster it, spot, so it's very similar to the who's going to be the sixth receiver in training camp coming out. It's a lot of a lot of uh, typing and a lot of words spoken about something that means pretty much nothing. And uh, 
this is basically determining who your third quarterback is. You know, maybe if he if he impresses during practices, he picks up the playbook pretty quickly, has a pretty decent offseason, he might be someone you consider as a potential cheaper backup, but you know, it means nothing for 2021 and again, I I, I don't like Jake Fromm. Yeah. He's a bulldog. I, I mean, it, very, it may not even mean much for 2022 either. It's very interesting, a guy like Jake Fromm, where, you know, if you follow college at all, you know that uh, Justin Fields, who's now with the Bears, ended up at Ohio State because uh, Kirby Smart decided to go with Jake Fromm instead of Justin Fields, who was the higher the higher recruit, the better prospect, and quite frankly, I think the better quarterback, and probably prevented Georgia from winning a national title. Um, he had a decent college career, accurate, but you look at him, you're like, this guy I mean, is not an NFL guy like a Justin Fields might have been, or some of the other guys that have gone through the, their program. So he's a guy like a, like a Kyle Trask type one who you know looks good in college, will hold a clipboard for the next decade in this league, but might start three games in his career, that type of guy. Yeah. Um, That's more than we ever need to say about Jake Fromm the rest of our lives on this show. I mean, I actually – I didn't hate the idea that, that they went with Fromm over Fields. Not necessarily that they went with him over that, just that it, the acquisition of Fromm caused Fields to leave, right? No, they were both um, – they were both recruited the same year. Uh, Fields was like the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. Fromm was actually a – High four, low five star recruit based based on which uh, cert, uh, ranking service you 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 subscribe to. So he was not just a stiff. No, no, I actually liked from early on. It's just that I didn't see him grow from then. Yeah. So like I mean, when when they made the decision, I was like, eh, I mean, I get it. I, I it's I, not the worst thing, but it just it never it never built from there. It stayed the same. Remember, this is the same Georgia that that might lose a national championship this year because. They're sticking with Stetson Bennett the third over JT Daniels. So remember that when you guys are watching the playoff on New Year's Eve and a potential national championship game, that if, if they lose because their offense sputters a little bit, it's because they picked the wrong quarterback again. But but here's something that I don't think people care about. But I I don't know if they should. I, I think it's important. It is you know you were you were saying uh, to me privately that uh, it's being rumored that Dan Mo uh, that um. Billy Napier, the new coach for UF, is kind of getting his feelers out there for Rob Sale to join his staff. Now, Rob Sale is currently the O-line coach, and I know the O-line is not much to speak of right now, but what can you do with what he had? And also, he's only been here for one year, so he's only had input for like one offseason where they didn't get anybody. But he did run at a head coach level at Louisiana Lafayette, where he ran a very good offense. And prior to that, he was offensive coordinator. And he prioritized the running. He had a really good running game. He had three running backs come out of Louisiana Lafayette this year in the draft. Um, that's pretty incredible. So when they got him, in my mind, I always thought that there was a chance that Joe Judge wanted Rob Sale to take the OC job from Jason Garrett at the end of the year. Just because it was a heavy run offense, it seemed like he was overqualified for an O-line. You could you could make the argument that he was overqualified for O-line coach, you know, things like that. It just felt like, oh, maybe he's just setting this up for a transition. So if he goes, that may disrupt some Joe Judge plans. Uh, potentially, yeah. Um, again, Napier is casting a pretty wide net of who he wants for his coaching staff. Um he is from the Saban tree and he's from the Dabo tree where it's you work with guys you work with in the past and you bring them back with you. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, but again, if he's brought over, it would be just to be an O-line coach at Florida. So, you know, that's not a lateral move going from the offensive line coach at, for the Giants to the offensive line coach at Florida. Um, that may tell you something if he does move over, how he feels about the job security of Joe Judge maybe and his own job security. Sure, yeah. You know, especially if, uh, you know, if Dave Gettleman is no longer the GM next year. So um, I would say I highly doubt that he'll make the jump to Gainesville but if he does I think it's more telling than anything else about the state of the our, the, the giant uh, franchise right now and, right. and the thinking within the building um, so let's pivot this back to Sunday and it looks like we are going to get Logan Ryan back though in what capacity remains to be seen you know we, we know that Will Hernandez came back from COVID last year and it definitely affected him. I, well, I mean, I guess. No, there was a drop-off. There was a drop-off. Yeah. He said that it, it took him a while, but he's a bigger guy. So, you know, maybe – and also, you know, at, at O-line, it's kind of an every snap position, even though they didn't do that with him. Uh, right. You know, DBs, you can kind of filter in and out, and we do that anyway. So, you know, I think I think we'll see Logan Ryan in some effective capacity. And it looks like Sterling Shepard has been practicing. There's a chance that he's going to play. Uh, that would be really huge for this offense as well. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, if we have four weapons on offense, we really need to have three of them on the field at all times or available to play for this offense to have any hope, especially overcoming the, the issues with the offensive line, the issues with the running game. We've got to have the combination of Galladay and Tony and Shepard and Ingram and, uh, you know, all of these guys, as many of them as available as possible. And the more weapons we get back, the better chance we have for success. So it, it's good news to hear. Yeah, and we might get Kyle Rudolph back as well. Um, he's limited with a ankle injury. But it doesn't look like we're going to have a Dory Jackson um, again, which, which, you know, that's going to be tough, you know. We know Darnay Holmes is going to be out for a little while. Um, Adoree Jackson has gone too. Rodarius Williams went out. So now we're really looking at Aaron Robinson taking on some full-time duty on the outside, which is not really ideally where he should be, and he hasn't really practiced a whole lot. Now, last week he was able to fill in admirably and very well there. I think he only gave up like one catch. Um, but he kind of gradually went into that position. There was no film on him. That would have been a mid-game adjustment. And, you know, right. To, to his credit, they definitely did try to test him. He kept breaking up the passes. But this is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, going into a game, starting, the other team knowing that you're starting, it's it's just a different scenario. Sure, sure, sure. And also you're thinking about it all week too. When you're going in, they just throw you in. You don't have time to think or react or you're just playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that he knows he's going to be playing, that, you know, it's something you're going to be thinking about all week. And, um, you know, we'll see how he adjusts, you know, knowing he's going to be the man this week. Um, what's your gut feeling on Jones playing this game? I think he's going to play. I think, uh, I don't know what sparked that original, uh, you know, tweet that went out. It seemed, definitely seemed kind of premature a little bit. And well, he said he had a source, right? Yeah, well, I mean... What does that mean? <laughs> I, guess, I guess nothing. I guess, yeah, I guess you're I mean, right. <laughs> I could say I have a source, but that doesn't mean, you know, no one asked him who the source was and he's not going to reveal it. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to play. I mean, you know, think all the, all the, 
the news we've heard from the building and the leaks we've heard and the kind of the spoken under the breath sounds like he's practicing, you know, he may not be at 100%. They may be, you know, you might see some play calling, like you may see even more limited use of him with his legs going forward, you know, just to keep him healthy and upright. But uh, I think he's going to play. I'd be very surprised if he isn't. Yeah. We would we'd have more leaking out right now about Glennon getting more reps. You know, we're talking this is Thursday night now already. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, right? Like, I mean, if if he's practicing, then you have to assume – I mean, we don't know because media doesn't have access to this. But you have to assume that he's getting the first team reps. And if there's a really strong chance he's not going to play, that's kind of a big decision to make. Sure, sure. And I don't think we're in a position now where we're playing all head games with Miami. Is like, is Jones going to start or is Glenn going to start? You know, I don't think, I don't think Miami's you know prepping for two quarterbacks for a game like this, a non-conference game. You know, I, 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 I think until we are getting really definitive signs to the contrary from the Giants, I think he's playing. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, so let's flip it to the defense because. The reason I say that is because the um, the Dolphins over the last four games have won every single game, and they've done it mostly on their defense. So I want to save that discussion a little bit towards the end. Um, but, you know, their offense has been kind of, even in this four-game winning streak, just kind of functioning yeah I mean like you've had a breakout game from you know Jalen Waddle and stuff like that but a a lot of that is just you know one missed tackle and he's gone you know that's not a large accumulation of yards over the course of 60 minutes in a game that's not sustainability that's just a play that a a great player made a play and capitalized yeah Yeah. Um, or or several but (laughs) but but I mean that's good because this winning streak that the Dolphins have had plays into the strength of the Giants, right? It's not offensive for them. It's defensive. So, well, I, I mean, in terms of the Giants' strength is their defense. So they can lean into that and they can try and score a little bit on defense and, and you know, get their control punishing plays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, get yourself some turnovers, you know, control we don't have field to worry about. We don't have to worry about going down there and hoping to win a shootout is what we're saying. Yeah, and... One of the main things that plays right into it is that Tua is a very young quarterback. He just finished his 16th game, so he technically finished his rookie season just the other day. That's um, amazing when you, when you think about it. I mean, it seems like Tua has been in our lives for such a long time. It seems like, you know, he was at Miami forever, it felt like, and then with the injury, and then he feels like he's been at Miami, and, you know, everybody's so quick to run him out of town. Like, you know, they're going to draft another quarterback. It's like, you're right. He's played not even a full season yet in yeah. game game amount he's still you know if the jury's out on daniel jones it should be even more out on tua right now for real um and you know tua is a very very good quarterback but he is still developing his ability to read nfl defenses as they're developing on the field um what he is good at is that he's not a very big turnover guy at least he hasn't been so far in his young nfl career but he will get thrown off by coverages he doesn't expect um and a lot of that just comes down to timing so what does all that mean um i think it means try to give blitz looks and deliver a mix between coverage and blitzing it'll force broken plays force him out of the pocket where he's he's not that much of a runner really um It'll force he's him. quick. He's shifty, but he's not. Yeah, he's not Jalen Hurts, yeah, for example. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But he's shifty. 
He's not a he, statue back there. He will he will move the pocket really well, but as far as once he's out of the pocket, he's not really outrunning too many people. Um, right. Daniel Jones is more of a threat outside the pocket than he is. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you'll get your throwaways and your dump offs doing that. When it's time to blitz, though, you got to hide it really well. Make sure you know where Waddle is on the field because the safety blankets for this offense are guys like Waddle, Gesicki, Smythe, and Shaheen. Tight ends and underneath guys are very heavily utilized. So guys like you know Julian Love and Aaron Robinson and Logan Ryan, they need to be deployed very strategically to make sure that those guys are neutralized first. Um, and then, you know, I would like Bradbury kind of worrying about the big fish, Jalen Waddle. Right. That sounds uh, – I think it's just, you know, keep playing sound defense. You know, just not, you know, communication – you know things like that. Just don't limit the number of busted plays. I think, you know, we've been doing a better job, you know, stopping the run lately. You know, it was kind of a big problem earlier on the season. It seems to be the, you know, the big thing that's been improving. I think we just continue to keep doing what we're doing, and we have a shot. Um, can't allow just busted coverages. You can't allow miscommunication in the secondary, and allowing small plays become big chunk plays. And I think we can prevent that. I think we have an excellent shot. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the, the run game and how they've improved there. That's the other thing is that they got to stay disciplined. When when two is in this offense versus when, what's his face, uh, was it uh, Jacoby Brissett? It's like two totally different offenses. There's like this big like three-way zone read thing that happens a lot. That's kind of how they neutralize their bad offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. If that sounds familiar to you guys, then you've been you know watching the Giants. Yeah, um, I- I was going to say, I actually watched uh, back in, I guess it was October, it was that entire uh, Dolphins-Bucks game. I was down in Tampa, and I was I watched that whole game, and, and seeing that was when Brissett started, and, you know, he did a lot to mask the problems of that offensive line, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, he, yeah, and now, right now, you know, it's a different skill set back there, and different problems that they have. Yeah, absolutely. So they work a lot of that RPO in. So the RPO and zone read stuff. So the main thing is on the run game, stay disciplined. Just stay to your assignments. I'm expecting the big guys like Leo and Dex in the middle to be, you know, nice and strong and and stay disciplined and let those uh linebackers fill the right gaps. Don't let anybody, you know, don't don't try and do somebody else's job. Just stay in your gap and do your job and and it should be fine because on the defensive line, they out they they out power this offensive line for sure Um, which is why they should be able to get home and that's going to be important it's going to be more beneficial I think for the Giants to be dropping in coverage more often than blitzing yeah Uh, you you just beat me to it because I was going to say something if this team if we try to blitz too much or try to get too much of a pass and we force two out of the pocket I'd rather almost have him back there and let him, you know, use his brain and use his arm to try to beat us in his legs. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, if if we stay disciplined, we stay in our in our lanes, we stay in our coverage, and we don't, you know, if, if the pocket doesn't collapse around him and he tries to do stuff on his own, that's to me is the biggest fear I have. And not necessarily the seventy-yard run; it's the the third and six where he gets you know flesh out of the pocket and he gets the eight yards for the first down and he moves the chains i i, I want this to be a game we don't think it's going to be incredibly high scoring so field position time possession are going to be are critical get our defense off the field you know i don't want them being on there 35 38 minutes because you know they're gonna they're gonna wilt and you know, keep them fresh so that means don't 
let them extend drives with little silly things like him sneaking out around around you know getting flushed out and, and getting to the sticks. Frankly, there's no reason for them not to be able to get home with three or four guys. This offensive line is not very good. Um, I expect big things from Aziz Ojolari and and even some things from Quincy Roche in this in the in the pass rush. Um, you know, they're, they're, all year their right though. tackle sucks. You know yeah, what I mean? But so. We have been struggling all year to have a consistent pass rush with just you know the defensive line without having to do you know crazy things to get at more of a pass rush. So I, I, I see what you're saying for sure, but I have to see to believe it. Well, of course, but uh, frankly, if they can't get home, it, and this doesn't have to be sacks, it just has to be pressures. This is right. Tua here. This is a young kid. When things are thrown off from him, he's going Contain to pressure. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. That's all that I'm saying about the three to four guys. They don't have to be, yeah. you know, burying him on every play, um, but they should be able to get pressure consistently with four guys. Enough, enough mm-hmm. pressure. Flipping it to the offense. This is the Dolphins' defense is really fun to watch, but it's it's kind of worrying and it's it's a little chaotic. But they like yeah. to just pretty much put about nine guys on the line of scrimmage and then like maybe two corners out. This is just complete cover zero, but it's not. It's just everybody's just there, um, and I'm I'm pretty worried about it. I'm pretty worried about their defense. It's confusing. Um. So I'm going to have a whole bunch of bullet points on what to do when, when it is a crowded front because um, the first thing is don't run into it. Um, the one thing I noticed is that I thought was really interesting and one of the games I tried to focus on was that Baltimore game because they beat the Ravens. I you know I was like, what did they do to beat them? And they really neutralized that strong running game by they have everybody at the line of scrimmage and they just kind of do – the guys – uh, there, there are certain guys who are kind of in a touch-and-go mode. They rush, and once they see that it's not a run and it is a pass, they all th- there are certain guys that bail, and they're really good at disguising it. Now, what they're not that great at is executing it because, I mean, sometimes you got two guys running in the same spot and they bump into each other and stuff, but it's enough chaos to screw up the play. They're really good. I mean, they just send they just send eight, nine guys. They just go. And, and then, then yeah, with a quarterback it. like Daniel Jones, who's still kind of figuring this league out, mm-hmm. that could cause a guy like him some problems. That and, you know, I'm, I'm oh. strictly talking about the running game here. The more guys that need to be blocked, the less good we are at it. And that mm-hmm. might sound silly, but really the only time – we can't win one-on-one blocks. None of our – we have one guy on this offensive line that could probably win a one-on-one run block. And that's Andrew Thomas. Everybody else is going to lose. So we get our success on open fronts. Don't even try to run. Because even if they're going to bail out on coverage, they might be just checking to see if it's a run first and then bailing out. And if you have Saquon Barkley or anybody, for that matter, running behind this line into nine guys, it's going to be at least a zero-yard gain. <laughs> so I don't have the numbers in front of me, Grump, but Barkley's runs, how does he distribute running from the left side to the right side? I don't know, but I would say that that probably depends more on if Thomas was playing or not. Okay, yeah. Than so. it does Barkley himself, or, it, or it may good, it may have more to do with the defensive front he's up against as well. You know. And it was a pretty good overlap of when Thomas was out and when Barkley was out too. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think there might that. be something there, but it's it's hard for me to gauge that because it seems again this is anecdotally and just kind of what. I kind of remember at games and watching and stuff is 
it seems like Barkley runs to his right more than he does to his left. It does seem that way, and I'm not really sure why. He does more of his dancing cutting this way to his, his right. Oh, and, you mean the attack point, or where he actually like like the like the the designed attack point, or where he actually ends up going? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah, I would say his improv, without having the numbers in front of me, it seems his improv is towards the right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of you know again we don't I don't have the numbers in front of me to say that that's necessarily the case, but mm-hmm. it just appears to me that you know you know Thomas is your best offensive lineman by far and. The running game seems to run a little too much away from him, as opposed to using him as your strength. Now, somebody out there, you know, in Twitter land, you know, please prove me right or prove me wrong on that. But that's just my kind of observation. You might be right. Um, be first. <laughs> um, yes. The other thing to do when you have that crowded front that they're going to put there, and they're going to do that a lot. It's going to be almost fifty percent of the game, if not, it'll be more. Um, Utilize a lot of quick outs and checkdowns. You know, Shepard, Ingram, Rudolph, Barkley—they're going to be the big players here to pay attention to. They just just one cut and win. That just the short area quickness to just win quickly is all that's needed. Just get those chunks of yards. What you'd normally get running the ball, the four or five yards you want to get with these kind of here. Whenever they crowd that line of scrimmage, uh, for Barkley, you know, you could split him out wide. I guess he doesn't seem to catch the ball in space very well when it's an actual line drive. When it's when it's him catching a check down or like a dump off, he's he's got great hands, but he's not really Christian McCaffrey out there. Yeah, I see something about Barkley. And I don't want to go a little bit of a tangent here, but do you think it's possible that at some point because he's been pretty awful this year since he's been back, and again a lot of it's because he's not hundred percent healthy, but he just is not the same running back he's been before the injuries that do you actually see him maybe getting Second, second team reps, and then Booker being our primary running back for the rest of the season. No, no, just don't see it. I'm not saying it's I mean, deserved or undeserved. I'm just saying I just don't see it happening. Okay, because to me, like he stinks right now. And yeah, he he, he broke off that one run on, on Sunday for like 30 yards or something. That was great and all, but just you know, carry in and carry out. You're getting really next to nothing out of him. You're getting nothing out of him from pass blocking you're getting really nothing from the running game is you know at what point is it just like you know the, the running game is suffering to the point that maybe booker gets you know more of the load running of running the ball than he does and i know his name is saquon barkley and that carries a lot of weight and you know uh a respect with the coaches and everything but practically should he really still be the starting running back on this team? Well, are you asking me who's going to end up with more carries or who is going to start the game? Because I don't well, think I, they'll, it will never be that he doesn't start. Yeah, yeah, I don't think starting. I mean, because that could be you run the first you know play or the first series and then you know the rotation switch. But I mean, the guy who's by know, design they have want Booker in more. I don't think it'll never happen. I I don't think it'll ever happen. But but I think that you're right. Like it should. I just don't think it will. It, there will be days where Booker gets more carries, and the excuse will be he was just a hot hand. It just was working, um, or you know whatever. They're gonna make very little out of it. But I don't think they're going to go into a game with a game plan to give Booker more carries than Barkley. I don't see it yet. I have no reason not, to see it. Why? Why they haven't done it yet? Yeah, I'm not making this into a bigger conversation about sal- uh, contracts and something in the future. That's for another day. 
I'm talking about for the rest of this season and yeah. the here and the now. And, you know, they are still trying to win football games. You know, they're still mathematically eligible for the playoffs. They are – they want to build momentum going into the offseason. They want to evaluate what this offense can do. And right now he's kind of a nothing. No, I agree with you. Um, so other things to do when they crowd the line of scrimmage. Mix in some occasional deep shots. If you only do one cut, if you're not going to run against the, the crowded front and you're going to run some quick outs and just quick passes and one cut moves, if you only do that, it's going to lead to turnovers. They're going to sit on routes and balls are going to get bounced up in the air or routes are going to get jumped. So mix in some double moves. What do they do for you? Well, if you don't think you have time in the pocket to do a double move, just understand that double moves don't have to end in completions because double moves lead to double moves on single coverage lead to penalties first and foremost. And this mm-hmm. Dolphins secondary will get holding penalties in this well, defense. Period. It also makes it also makes the defense coordinator think. It may it like softens it, the defense. Exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, they are gonna be more aggressive today. They are gonna take some more shots and maybe you'll see, you know, another safety creep back a little bit or they're not crowding the line of scrimmage as their original game plan. If you don't test them, they're not gonna change. So, yeah, if it ain't broke, why fix so, it? So you know, the possible outcomes of a play are a completion, which would be fantastic, a DPI, which would be fantastic, or an incompletion that just kind of makes them think and yeah. makes them reevaluate. It's All just, three of it, those things are positives. So it, it does. it's a two-level thing. It keeps the defender himself honest. I mean, he's not going to be able to cheat or crash down. He's got to really watch. He's got on every play or else he's going to get burned. He doesn't want to get burned. And it also makes, you know, uh, Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, think about how often he wants to call that stuff. Because even if it is incomplete, like you said, it's like, wow, he got behind him, though. If, if they, he completed yeah. that, that's a touchdown. You know one. what I mean? So all of that is very important. And the most important thing it does is for that defensive coordinator to move to more traditional fronts. Because then the Giants can do the things that they need to be able to do. They can run between the tackles and hard. They can run zone read. They can run RPO. They can... They, and they should try to keep Jones in the pocket for as long as possible and let his receivers run, cover the field at multiple different levels. Let him read the field. And uh, it'll allow him to run play action as well. So the whole goal right here is to beat the crowded front just enough to make them run less of it because it will destroy this team. And this is our advice to you know, the giant coaching staff from uh, Joe Judge all the way down to... You know, to Freddie Kitchens, to everyone, have a little more trust in your offensive line. Yes. I mean, not every time Daniel Jones drops back, it's not you know uh, uh, eleven guys in his face in half a second. I mean, he is getting some time to throw. It's just you know, if he waits around all day, the the the, op- the offensive line is going to blow their assignments and everything. But have a little faith that you know they can hold for a couple of seconds. You know, if it's if it's obvious on series one, play one, that they're not going to be able to stop a pass rush, then you adjust. But try to run your offense and be proven wrong that it's not going to work before you're just being afraid and just assume it's not going to work. And maybe with Kitchens, you know, we didn't see it much last week against Philly, but maybe now that he's had more than like two or three days to prepare. Because remember, last week was a short week True. after the Monday night game. You know, he's had a chance to look at the tape of a game he's called. He's had more time to kind of get, you know, get his fingernails dirty for what this offense could be, what this offensive line can actually do. 
So I think it just requires a little more trust. In, now, this, this is not a complete of an offensive line. It's bad, but it's not like there's one lineman playing. I, I couldn't agree with you more. The more they tried to protect Daniel Jones with gimmicky stuff, the worse it looked and, and, the, and the worse they performed. Uh, at the end of the day, the bells and whistles don't move the train, I guess. Oh, see, I, my other I just point was, made that up. <laughs> see, my other point, which I was about to say, was get Andrew Thomas back in the offense. <laughs> I mean, the guy's got, you know. Have him running routes. He has a touchdown pass already. He's perfect. You know, uh, he has one target for one touchdown. I mean, why are we using him more? Right. He, he had a two-point conversion as well last year. Exactly. The first thing that Kitchens does is he gets rid of the uh, the left tackle eligible play. Yeah, Come right. on. Fire him. <laughs> All right, Cranky fan. The bullets in the gun, the guns to your head. How's this game going? Give me a prediction. <laughs> Splattered brains all uh, over the log. Yeesh. <laughs> no, I, I um I say this every week. This is such a wonky league. It's 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 such a crazy league and a crazy season that I won my survivor pool. That's all you need to know when a mush like myself can predict games to win money in this league. Um I think the Giants are gonna pull this one out. I think uh there's going to be a lot of Giant fans down in Miami. Probably Grump and I are probably the only two that won't be down there. You know, there's a lot of people who big, live there. You know, we're, we're poor. We, we need sponsors. Big miss on our part. Well, if we get sponsors someday, they can afford to fly us to more than one game a year. But um, I don't think it will be the big home field advantage that uh, other places might afford against us. Um, I think this team is just getting healthier. I think they're, they're playing better. Um I, I I like the way the defense has been playing. I, I think that that Tampa Bay game was just as, you know, you're playing the Super Bowl champs on a Monday night national TV against the best quarterback ever. Everything went wrong. I think that was a bit of an anomaly for how this defense has been improving for the last several weeks. And I think what you saw last week was maybe an extreme in the opposite direction that's maybe not that good, but it's trending better. And... I think the way this team has been playing, I think they can give Tua some fits. I think there'll be a bunch of turnovers in this game on both sides. I think it'll be kind of a little ugly and sloppy, but I'm going to have the Giants coming away and winning 17-14. Wow. I have pretty much the same feelings. I, I have a really good um, I have a really good feeling about our defense in this game. I, I think Tua is more inexperienced than Daniel Jones. I think our defensive secondary is... Um, a little bit more sound than theirs. I think the you know defensive line. I, I just think I think our defense is just better right now and will cause more problems. Not to mention, I don't know. I still don't know which center is going to be playing for Miami. And Tua was having a lot of trouble with snaps last week. Um, a lot of trouble. Uh, it basically was like a gimme for Carolina on a on a uh, end of the half field goal. But. Um, I think this is going to be a sloppy, crappy game. It's not going to be exciting for anyone not interested in either one of these teams. But for Dolphins <laughs> and Giants fans, this one's going to be at each other's throats. But I have the Giants pulling this one away, twenty to thirteen, with a defensive score. Ooh, juicy! I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, around the NFC East, though, Philadelphia is headed back to MetLife to play the Jets. Is that right? Yes. Wow, that sucks. 
Philly's got a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way, but if they play like they did against us, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, they are playing the Jets. They'll win. I don't know, man. I, I Something about this makes me feel like the Jets kind of have something building with their running game. Uh, I don't really know how or why, but I just have this feeling that uh, Philly is screwing up a little bit here. Um and I think well, I think nice. th- I think there's some tape on Hertz and how to how to annoy him. So I have the Jets actually pulling this one off, but I think it's going to be close, something like twenty three twenty. Dallas is currently battling New Orleans right now. I'm going to predict with about a minute left in the third quarter, they're going to have about a twenty to ten lead, and with New Orleans driving, that'd be my prediction. I you or know exactly what's happening right now as you're recording. I um wrote my prediction down for this game before the game started and I have it at 38-17 Dallas. I really thought they were just going to blow the wheels off of them. Um, so maybe I'm wrong, but I still have Dallas winning this game. Yeah, like I said, it's 20-10 to 10 late third quarter right now um, and this this drive will determine if this is going to be a close game or become a blowout. Um, yeah, Dallas is in... Hill is not an NFL quarterback, starting quarterback. In spite of what his agent thinks he is for contract considerations, but um, Dallas is still the class of this division, unfortunately. And uh, I mean, I guess any of the talk about the Giants making the playoffs is, at this point is wild card, right? Do we really have any expectations that we can make up three games on this team? No. I mean, bar, barring a significant injury to somebody on Dallas, where they're yeah. just going to end up losing the season. Um, you know, I, which I guess is just Dak, right? Um, At this point, yeah. Uh, yeah, barring that, then yeah, it's wild card only. So agreed. Um, Washington takes on Las Vegas. I have this. This is this one was hard. Uh, I think they're both pretty evenly matched. Um, I have Vegas winning this one, but I could go either way. Twenty six, twenty four. I am very close. I had Vegas winning a kind of moderately scoring game like that as well, like by a field goal. Um, they're both kind of Jekyll and Hyde teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're two teams that, you know, the Giants beat Vegas and I wasn't overly impressed. And uh, then they've looked at other games this year too. So they, they are classic cases of wonky NFL, you know, 2021. Yeah. Where nothing would really surprise me with either of these teams. No, not at all. We're, we're, we're assuming that the, the Washington football team will be looking for a quarterback this offseason, correct? They're not going to stick with Tyler Henneke going forward. I have to assume that. Um, I just don't know how they want to go about it. I don't really know their cap situation, what quarterbacks are on the open market. I don't think they're going to – I mean, would that not be the most Daniel Snyder thing in history if they got Deshaun Watson? <laughs> what, what a place oh, would- to not visit. You know, you just uh, you trump my ace because I was gonna be like, would it be so Washington to trade like five number ones to move up in this draft and try to get whatever, you know, in a not very, you know, top end quarterback draft, but like throwing all their chips in to try to get, you know, a guy like Matt Corral who would be. I, I, think I just be a- I don't know if Ron Rivera is that silly. You know what I mean? Well. I also don't know how much power Ron Rivera ultimately has. You know, he might be a sensible guy, but you know, with Daniel Snyder, kind of all bets are off what they ultimately do. That's true. And he might just say, you know, something. F this. We're you know, 
<laughs> I, I, I watched I watched the Egg Bowl and I like Matt Corral and I'm drafting him. So tough, tough turnups. You know that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? But I hope they do that. Yeah, <laughs> fine well. with me. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Game is Sunday at 1 o'clock in Miami, so we will be recording our review of the game on Monday night, so we'll see you all on Tuesday. Of course, on Twitter, you can follow me at football underscore grump, and the cranky fan is at the cranky fan. The show is at just giants pod, so we will see you all Tuesday. Go Giants. Go Giants.